All righty, I'm here with Tom. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thank you. How about you? Feeling good. Yep. Yeah, we're good coming stuff. towards the end of the World Cup. It's uh, It's been pretty good. I'm beginning to feel, I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to feel that the... Uh, the talk about the price we've paid for this World Cup, or I say we, the price migrant workers have paid for this World Cup, is, <laughs> is beginning to be forgotten by media coverage, which I think was probably ine- inevitable, but especially because the football has actually been very, very good and dramatic. So. Yeah, it's definitely felt like Qatar have got everything they wanted from from this World Cup. You, you've, you've just heard, well, you've heard less of the, the negative chat especially on broadcast media, just it's just dissipated throughout the tournament. And the the compliments have just proliferated, really. Like, you just think of like, oh, it's just so great that it's all held in like one city. And, and, and during the Croatia game, I heard that they were talking about, oh, well, Croatia were talking about themselves, how they've they've really benefited energetically from not not flying across the country like they did in Russia and they did in Brazil, yeah. whereas here and the, and you just see it here like the commentators talking about that being like oh yeah so it's so great in that respect and talking about the great stadiums and, and all that kind of thing it's like yeah you've kind of forgotten who built this and and at what cost and yeah it's 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 like I say it's been everything that Qatar could have ever wanted whereas I think if the football had been less exciting. I, th- I think back to especially the start of the South Africa World Cup where yeah. it was quite drab. The, the, the Vuvuzelas were annoying a lot of people. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of racially charged language that w- was kind of banded about in, in at the start of that World Cup. The pitches weren't particularly great. The football, like I say, was quite drab. There weren't many goals. The Jabalani was causing loads of problems. And I think a lot of people use that to kind of be like beat that a certain type of person use that to kind of beat South Africa with. Yeah. And there's been no, none of that in this world cup because the the football has just been so good that it's kind of, it, it, it hasn't completely extinguished all the conversation, but it's really but to been a good extent, job. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it being during the season, so we haven't got a load of knackered players. It helps. It's a compressed timeline. It's 29 days rather than 32 or 33 that we've had for recent World Cups. The stadiums are within half an hour of each other. And, uh, and all of this has contributed to, I think, and tactically as well. I think most team, many teams are attacking, even those that look defensive, like yeah. Morocco, throw six players yeah. forward, with, forward with every attack. So it's all contributed to a really good tournament from a football perspective. I think I just I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think we just remember what, what it's cost. And it's kind of interesting, like if you, we, we had the drama with a European Parliament MP being arrested this week for apparently taking bribes off the Qataris for 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 voting in their favour in the European Parliament, which has little to no power anyway. Mm. But it just kind of reminded me of how the Qataris got this World Cup in the first place. I guess that the FIFA Exco members were a little more careful with how they got their bribes yeah. than the European Parliament members. But you know, it was bought and paid, and, and both with money and and with the lives of migrant workers. And it's it's just rem- it's worthwhile remembering that as we enjoy the football. But the mm-hmm. football has been really good as well. I'm really. 
Like, like the semifinals were exciting. I mean, I guess in a sense, the two favourites sort of going through is counter to what a lot of has happened during this World Cup. But both games were really... I mean, I know Argentina, Croatia wasn't quite as close as it could have been, but Morocco were on top for so much of the game against yeah. France. Incredible they didn't score. And they just didn't have enough. And France were brutally clinical in in the moments they had. So, I mean, we've got we've got a great final. We've got the final the Qataris wanted. They're two faces in the final. Hmm. Helped by some interesting refereeing, I think. True. But yeah, but good football in the same finals too. Yeah. It's just like you say, Morocco weren't clinical in the final third. It, it felt like they just almost like refused to shoot at times. Like Abdel yeah. Razak, who came on the number nine, where he, he beat about three players in the box. And I think the last one he was trying to beat was Varane, who's been, I think, really good in this tournament. Yeah. Like a, a, a Pamacano and and Coyote have, have swapped with that position and Varane's always been the constant in, in the Fra- in the France team. I mean, he's been awesome for United all season. It's great to see him come back from that injury in in such great form. But yeah, from Adar Razak when he beat a couple of players, it's like, just shoot, just shoot, just shoot. And he just didn't. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between France. I think that was the difference between France and the England game as well. Is they, I think they're, they're, really, bore- they're really boring. Yeah, for such yeah. a great team, they're really boring. But it's in those those crucial moments they're just clinical, and it's their class that that tells them apart. It's like against England, they weren't particularly great, and England were on top for for large large parts of that game. But personally, I never thought that France were going to lose. It, it almost felt like they always had another gear to kind of get to, and it felt like a bit like that in the Morocco one. It felt like if Morocco would score then France are just going to kind of up another gear again and, and be clinical when it matters, like right. they have been and like they always are. It's, it's it's an annoying, boring football to watch, in my opinion, but it's been damn effective, obviously, because they're in a second World Cup final for the second. Again, yeah. Deschamps is going to go down as one of the world's great coaches and that's sickening, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think, actually, like the happenstance of, of injuries has helped Deschamps in a way because... Mm. He's had the, the France are actually, I think, a bit more fluid, especially in transitional uh, periods than they were at the last World Cup. And and in in the centre of the park, Conte is not quite the player he was, and obviously got injured. And Paul Pogba does even less defending than he once did, <laughs> and he got injured. And they've got a in Tushimeni who might not have played otherwise. They've got a really dynamic midfield. And the fact that Lucas Hernandez got injured and his brother Theo Hernandez is in the team much more attacking left back, I think has mm. released Mbappe to play more centrally and cut inside because he's got, he's got this overlapping fullback he wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. And, it, and it just seems that like the happenstance of those injuries has, has helped front in a way. And I think even Benzema being out and Giroud being in has helped mm. because they've got a focal point that they wouldn't have had very different forward and and it allows Mbappe and Dembele to play off him and so in in a sense I think that's helped them but they still play in a very conservative way I mean this they played against Morocco Morocco played a flat back five and I I guess we're thinking they'd have to set out to to defend a lot of the time ended up having 60% possession and just just couldn't make those moments count and 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 Varane was immense and and actually the whole of the back four for France defended those moments in deeper areas really really well didn't they but it's just kind of interesting that I don't think they're perfect this France side by any means no. but they in a sense they're 
more attacking than they might otherwise have been, then Deschamps' yeah. instincts probably would have taken them towards without a number of those injuries. Yeah, I think, like you say, Chiuameni's been awesome. And I heard someone say that he's almost like a mix of Pogba and Kante because he can do right. both of what those two guys are good at. Maybe not to the same extre- extremes that those two can perform at, but he has everything, doesn't he? Obviously, he scored that beautiful goal against England, which had kind of been absent from what he'd mostly looked like in this tournament because his defensive work is so good. He's so clean on the ball. He's he's so quick across the ground. He has everything. So he can yeah. bring that kind of, like both of those two characteristics to that game. And then also Griezmann alongside him. But playing so much deeper than we've ever seen him before. It's just been... It's been awesome. I think he's potentially... reinvented himself for this World Cup, hasn't he? Yeah. Really has. I mean, so if, like... if Bellingham is Brian Robson, then I think Chiumeni is is Roy Keane. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying he's good as Roy Keane before, I, before you tweet at me. I'm just <laughs> saying he's that kind of all round player. But he's been very yeah. good. So anyway, I'm I'm a bit sick of praising France. Sickener, mm. isn't it? They're just. They're... It's, I think the only thing that's kind of frustrating for Fran- with France for me is like you see their team on paper. You look at Dembele, who's having a really good season with Barcelona for the first time in a while. They've got Mbappe, who's arguably the best player in the world right now. They've got Griezmann, who is such a great attacking talent. And yeah, like you say, they have 40% of possession against Morocco. I think Morocco had not had positive percentage possession throughout the whole tournament. Right. And they're just... They're just very attritional. And I think that's what kind of Deschamps is all about. It's all about winning. Like as a player, he was a great winner. Like obviously he won the World Cup as a player, as a captain. He won a lot of stuff with Juventus. And, and I think uh, before that as well, when he was, was just there in Marseille, did he win the Champions League? Can't Marseille? remember. I don't remember. But anyway, he was a, he's a born winner. And that's kind of just all he's about. And that's what all France are about. And they're very good at doing it. It's just yeah. kind of... Well, if you're going to take look... that maximalist approach, you have to win, don't you? I exactly. Mean, if you're going to play that kind of boring football, if you don't win, it's it's not worthwhile. And it's it's the it's the sense I have often had during Gareth, Gareth Southgate's time. Because, you know, mm. he, he studied France. He said this. He looked at how they won tournaments and he's kind of modelled England on that. And I, th- I think in this tournament, England are actually more attacking than they have been in, in other tournaments. Yeah. And Bellingham has really helped that. But if you're going to take that maximalist approach, winning is, is everything. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of, that's where I came to my conclusion about Gareth Southgate. G- great, great progress. Amazing progress. If you think where England were in 2016, losing to Iceland out of the tournament, pathetic. They'd, be, they'd done nothing in the five or six tournaments before that as well and and it's been a semi-final and a final and a quarter-final in the tournament so in a sense it's great progress he didn't win anything and he played like that and mm. I'm like oh well was it was it worth it I mean maybe I guess maybe yeah but it's the kind of feeling I always had with Mourinho as soon as United weren't winning what was the point yeah I, I think that's what that's what France are. They're, they're, they are quite a Mourinho team. I thought they, I thought that at the last World Cup. I thought that even more at this World Cup. That they are a Mourinho team, and I guess when you are winning, it's it's fine. Like Deschamps gonna not think. Well, people are not gonna think in thirty, forty years time when they look at who won back to back World Cups. They're not gonna go, yeah, okay. They might have won back to back World Cups, but they did it in a boring way. Us 
people, I guess, who lived it will remember that or will probably forget it anyway. But it's in terms of legacy, I guess they maybe don't really care. As long as we win it, that's fine. Whereas if we look at the other semi-final, Argentina, what makes them so good is their absolute chaoticness. Because like yes. throughout this tournament, yeah. they've just been, yeah, wild. Like, obviously losing to Saudi Arabia, going to Holland and losing two goals in the last 10 minutes. They're, they're infallible, yep. they're vulnerable, and it makes them exciting. Whereas France are just not, but win. I kind of worry for Argentina in the final because so much has gone through Messi. And, and mm-hmm. if, if France just take the position that they're just going to try and crowd him out of the game, and I don't know whether they'd go man for man or or just take another approach to trying to trying to get him out of the game then have argentina got enough elsewhere mm. to to really hurt, hurt france i mean obviously julian alvarez scored a couple of goals in the last game but i don't think he's going to sort of make the game on his own enzo fernandez could maybe mm. i mean he's a really good central midfielder obviously going to go for a lot of money next summer or whenever he leaves benfica but it it just feels like it's too it's too i'm not, Easy is not the right word. It's too possible to to nullify Argentina in this game. Yeah, I think so as well. Like, I don't think their fullbacks are particularly great. They're energetic, but I don't think they're particularly great. I think, like you say, Enzo Fernandez is that one player who can produce a little bit of magic in that respect, just out of nothing, as similar to Messi. Like you say, I don't think Alvarez is particularly like that. I think he's a perfect partner in many respects for Messi because he's the the energy and the legs beside him. He's the presser. He has obviously got talent as well, but just not that mercurial talent, which I think they might need in this game, because I feel like they're going to have a lot of the ball as France kind of just seed it, especially if they go 1-0 up. It will be difficult to break them down. And I also fear for Argentina a little bit defensively. I think when Holland really tested them, I know they tested them through the air, but when Saudi Arabia tested them, they they looked they look vulnerable when they are attacked. Yeah. Whereas like Mexico, when they played in Poland, not they're not they weren't great. They didn't show much attacking threat throughout this tournament. Um, and then Croatia as well have not been a great attacking threat in this tournament either. So, and their other one was Australia again. Whereas Holland, when they really put them under threat, they completely buckled again. Like I say, it was a different way. I was gonna like long ball football. But I think you can get. I think you can get at the Argentinian defense. Otamendi is we've seen for years and years not great, and they prefer him yeah. to Sandro Martinez. Very odd. And I just think, I think Mbappe and Dembele could cause them a lot of problems, especially yeah in behind and also in between the centre backs and the the fullbacks because I don't think the fullbacks particularly great either. It's it's very funny speaking about this like a team who are potentially one game away from winning the World Cup. But I think there's so many weaknesses in this Argentina team. And maybe just There speaks- really is, mm. yeah. And there's the other frustration, isn't it, as a as a England, I don't know what the right word is, supporter? <laughs> I am during tournaments and then I get annoyed with them the rest of the time and couldn't give a crap. But, but that's the thing. France, vulnerabilities, not perfect, were beatable as, as we saw in that, that quarterfinal. Argentina even less perfect. the The most complete team was Brazil, and they managed to blow it. Yeah. So this was a this was an opportunity, but that's tournament football. Only only one team goes home the winners, but yeah. definitely two. I think imperfect teams 
I think France, that's what France, we... I think, are the better one. But can Lionel Messi do some magic? I mean, he has done for a lot of this tournament, hasn't he? Yeah. I think that's what we spoke about at the start when we did our World Cup preview. We spoke about how few teams are complete in this tournament. And, well, I don't think we spotted any. And it's kind of been the, the way, like it's arguably been, it's, it's been a very exciting tournament, but arguably like tactically and and technically, maybe not a great one. Like it's, I feel like there's been, there's it, definitely been a leveling up, but I think that's also, that's not just a case of the teams at the bottom getting better. It's probably a team case of the teams at the top coming down towards the mean as well. And yeah, I think it kind of is orchestrated with, with what we've, got in the final and I I don't know I think that potentially France are probably going to have too much I think they're going to probably attritionally do what they've done throughout this tournament and and beat Argentina with moment. competency yeah well yeah I, I suspect that's probably true I mean Beppe versus Molina and they play this box midfield as well Argentina mm. don't they it's not I mean I guess I guess McAllister will probably be the deepest of them Maybe. Oh, Paredes. Not sure. Yeah. Try and deal with Griezmann. And Molina, Molina's going to have trouble mm-hmm. 1v1, I think. I mean, Messi is not going to be tracking back for nope. to cover against Mbappe, is he? So that is going to be a challenge for Argentina. It does feel like France have got too much here. But, you know, last, possibly last World Cup game for Lionel Messi. It, it's not like they won't be up for him. As I think it was Otamendi, was it Otamendi said, we, we want to die for him. <laughs> so it, it, they might literally do that if they get a bit fighty as they did against against the Netherlands. It does feel like the narrative is is written for Messi. I mean, he's had an unbelievable thought. I, I say unbelievable. He's not, we've not seen things from him that we've never seen before, obviously. It's just, I didn't think he had it in him. To, to do the things to, to that keep he, going like this, yeah. No. I mean, I think he's set up his season for this, hasn't yeah. he? He doesn't do anything off the ball. He just no. kind of stands still, yeah, and yeah. wanders around slowly. I just, so I just conserves his energy, which is fair enough. I just didn't think he had it in him to still beat players like he did. Like beating Guardiola, yeah. who's potentially been the best defender at this tournament, who's wanted by clubs all over Europe, to beat him four times as he kind of did in that move, and then. I just that's why I think it's unbelievable that he's still doing it and it, it does feel very much so that it's set up for him to win this now but then you also look at the other narrative like the counter narrative to that it's like it kind of also feels like it's set up potentially for him to to come up short once again at, at the World Cup because of Argentina's or just the way it's kind of always happened at international football for him though that narrative has seemed to have changed because Obviously, the Copper America yeah. and the fans all being behind him, like the team all being behind him. It feels, I don't know. I think I think I always, I'm buying way too much into narrative rather than actual logic here. But that's just the way sometimes football goes. It's almost like metaphysical. Like you look at Real Madrid's victory in the Champions League this season, it, didn't, it defied logic. And then yeah, it feels like this may do the same on Sunday if it doesn't then it's completely well, we like, logical we like to rationalize things don't yeah they? exactly yeah yeah and france, france feels like a very logical win anyway it, it does I, I and i will not be supporting them no. personally i think as many of us do we gravitate towards the underdog and in this one i i guess argentina are the underdog plus there's the narrative plus messi seems like 
not an absolute asshole no. as some others do. <laughs> I can't say I've I've really taken to Mbappe. Brilliant on the pitch, but like he's got a few like mm. unpleasant traits as well. So I don't know. It's all stupid, isn't it? But it's it will be be a fascinating final. Not it's not a late kickoff. So I wonder whether the the temperature will make mm. a difference or not. I mean, it's it's what early evening. I'm trying to think what time in Qatar is for that game. Seven, seven yeah, about seven ish. I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably, probably. I don't think temperatures are really impacted that many, except for what's the stadium nine seven four or whatever it is. Yeah, the yeah. one that doesn't have as much air conditioning in it. Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit hotter. So. But yeah, I. I I guess they've been there for so long as well. Now they should be, I guess they'd be very much acclimatized to it. And yeah. 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 I we'll mean, see. we'll see whether we've had quite a few penalty shootouts. Will it go that far? The drama of it is always great when you're not involved. I have to say. It, 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 it really is. Dramatic extra time and, and penalties. And yeah. Leo Messi, has he converted all his penalties this World Cup? Because like historically, he's actually not got a very good. He's missed one. Yeah. Because I think he's below average. Yeah. I think something like for penalty conversion, which is doesn't make any sense when you're I mean, Leo Messi. And surely you can put a ball in the net from 12 yards. It makes no sense. He has like the best left foot we've ever seen. And it, it, I mean, there's obviously some players like Sin, Sinisa Mihailovic, who, who died today, sadly. Yeah. He had an unbelievable oh, left yeah. foot. Right. But, but, but Messi, yeah. A wand of a left foot, as you might say. Yeah, exactly. The, cl- the classic term, football football cliches, Adam Horrid. Though, Mess, it just feels like he could put the ball anywhere he wants, but he, for some reason, he just always seems to put it at a nice... I mean, I'm, if you asked him, yeah. he would he would put like 100 out of 100 right in the top corner. Yeah, and like he did against Croatia, that was just like an unstoppable yeah. penalty, which I thought that Messi would be able to repeat 99 times out of 100, like you say. Whereas, yeah, against Poland, he had a comfortable height in inverted commas for for Chesney. And yeah, he just has missed a lot of penalties, which is really weird. And then he also changed his technique early in this tournament where he, was it the Holland game where he walked up and I think twice and hit his penalty? Yeah, he was that. Was the Did Holland. the stutter thing. Yeah, yeah. And then against Croatia, he changed it. So yeah, it would be very, again, it'd be written for him to either miss or score a penalty, I think, in that final. All narrative, isn't it's it? It's all narrative. Football is narrative. Maybe. Very good. All right. Take a little break. Come back to talk about Burnley. There's that Manchester United stuff going on. Apparently. It feels so we've got, weird. We've got a game against Burnley in four days' time. Or something like that. Feels so weird. It's, it's just, it's going it to be really a, hard to adapt to that's I mean it's not I don't think it is but it's just like there's been so much relentless football that you just jump back straight into it with a not particularly exciting Carling Cup week but it's going to be fun to see the lads yeah. again yeah I guess so I mean seeing them training they obviously had the two friendly games which are a bit pointless because there's hardly any of the the first team actually playing in them I think most of the players are back training now or are about to be back training, mm. though I'd be really surprised if we get too many of the World Cup players. Maybe Ericsson because they went out early. Yeah. Uh, but I think many, and Jabri, uh, no, he's on loan. What am I talking about? So he went out early too, yeah. but he, he'll be back with Birmingham. So yeah, pr- probably a sort of mix of 
mix of players who weren't at the World Cup and some second string. And you wonder what's going to happen. Um, I imagine. You wonder what's going to happen with like Lissandro and, and Ruran. Like how long is it going to take? You need a bit of... Yeah, they can't just yeah, come back next week. A couple of weeks off, I imagine. Yeah, you think so. They can't just come back next weekend after a World Cup final. If they win or lose, obviously. Well, that's right. No, I, I'm sure they're going to need time off a little break and then a week of training. So I, we won't see either of them till sort of mid-January, maybe. Mm. This is a... Uh, d- d- I'd be re- d- definitely not. I'd, I'd be absolutely shocked if they play any football this year. Yeah. United have got three games. It's Burnley in the Cup and then Forest and Wolves, I think mm-hmm. it is, in the Premier League uh, before the new year. And there are two best yeah. centre-backs. I mean, like Harry Maguire had... Uh, we have to say that I think I think it almost was like written for us to say that Harry Maguire had a good World Cup because everyone was talking about it. I thought he had an, I personally thought he had an okay World Cup. Like he did, he did fine against a lot of average teams and he always plays well. Yeah, if he'd been a millisecond faster to get to Giroud, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been goal. Just say, don't want to blame Harry completely, but just a little bit faster. And I think that is the difference at the top level. Like, I think that's also... They're the kind of games that France win and England lose because of that tiny bit of quality that it can be can be fine for Harry Maguire against Iran and fine against Wales, but not fine when you're playing against the top level. And that's where we've seen just with Varane how much better he is than Harry Maguire in so many different facets. Lissandro is obviously better as well, but he's a lot more different. Whereas Var- Varane... He's so classy. He's just so classy and so smooth and so intelligent. Whereas Maguire, he's just, he's uh, almost, yeah, well, it's no, like a robot he's, in comparison. He's just not as good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just not as good. And, and, and I think the thing that helps him in international football is that you don't get the high pressing and fast transitions as much. Mm. I mean, some teams obviously, obviously press, like, press and transition quickly, but not quite as much. And that just suits him better, basically. Yeah, and I think that's why he tends to stand out in these tournaments rather than a club football. And so you get a lot of people going, "Oh, Man United fans, why, why are you having to go at Maguire? What's your agenda?" These people don't watch him every no. week. And and I don't even think he was that good at this World Cup. He was just because I think people are comparing him to what they. The, like the almost like the joke version that they've come to expect with Harry Maguire. Oh, we didn't punt the ball out of play, or we didn't make this catastrophic error. So he's played well at this tournament. I think he's he's just been fine, and and but he's obviously going to be back in the team. And and yeah, I guess it'll be Lindelof alongside him, which is huh. scary. Yeah. It is. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it's okay for a game against Burnley, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a little while of that. Ten Hag praised Maguire, said he hopes he brings his confidence and form back, which, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We we hope he does. But I, I think we've got enough of Harry Maguire that we know exactly what he is. Yeah. And so as soon as Varane is fit, Varane will be in the team. Lissandro Martinez not played as much, but obviously he's still deep into the tournament. So yeah. maybe he's back a few days earlier or something like that a game earlier he'll be back in the team too mm-hmm. i've no doubt about it so and good luck harry with your next adventure wherever you move to next summer 
because I suspect that'll be going on. Other stuff that happened with, with United this week, I, I talked about the financials on the last pod, but we had Avram Glazer at the World Cup. And a lot of people going, oh, look, he's come to enjoy the football. No, he's not come to enjoy <laughs> the football. He's come to he's come to network with every sheikh and prince and, and a billionaire that's attending the World mm-hmm. Cup because United are trying to sell the club. Yeah. So. Please don't sell us to... Yeah. I don't know, Saudi. Yeah. Sa- well, there aren't. Well, I, I, fortunately, there aren't too many sovereign wealth funds left mm. for United to be sold to. That it makes sense. I mean, we, I can't remember who it was. One of the one of the royal family in the Saudi Arabia said, "Yes, they'd welcome a private sector bid." It doesn't exist. <laughs> but so, so yeah, nice one. So, it, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, things might literally be IPO'd or a private business, but it, the. They're not disassociated from the state. Well, that's what that's um, what the Newcastle fans always talk about and pretend, isn't it? Oh my <laughs> god, the sovereign wealth funds. Uh, Do people know what either of those words mean? <laughs> I mean, clearly the Premier League doesn't. No. It's yeah, absolutely bonkers. That uh, it, imagine a department of the UK government buying Manchester United and go, no, no, it's nothing to do with the government. <laughs> yeah, it's just the Department of Sport and Cultural Culture or whatever it is. Called. We, we just feel like buying a football club. It's nothing to do with the government. That's what happened in Newcastle. Anyway, so yes, if, if Saudi Arabia feel like buying United, they can obviously do that. And there's a precedent now. So it would be funneled through some cousin of the royal family's business or whatever it is. And, and it's possible. It took people to talk about the Bahraini, other royal families as well. Maybe Dubai doesn't have the same kind of mineral wealth as as Abu Dhabi but obviously they're, they've been diversifying their economy so that could be I'm still my bet is still on a mix of bought wealth plus hedge fund wealth or private equity money some some kind of mix of that would be my bet still but they've apparently been hawking United around at $40 a share which is somewhere between six and seven billion pounds which seems optimistic but hey maybe do you not think Ratcliffe's got a chance well he hasn't got them he hasn't really got the money unless mm. he liquidated Ineos, so it would still have to be a consortium. Yeah, if they can put together that kind of I'm money, I think because you know what, the Glazers aren't selling this for legacy. No, not quite. I, I, I'm trying <laughs> to think what the kind of the the best case solution is. I think that I think what you kind of say is like the hedge fund and U.S. sport taking over us. Uh, yeah, the U.S. sporting business taking over us. Kind of. It's so much better than a than a sovereign wealth fund. Still not ideal, is it? Because but no, nothing is going to be ideal these days, is it? It's just the way that football is. Yeah, true. But if you get a competent US sports franchise mm-hmm. owner, then then United are actually going to be successful. Oh, again. exactly. Yeah, competence just has the right people in the right place. Understands how to structure it. Is strong on analytics and data, and has. We think in Eric Ten Hag, a, a high quality coach, then United is going to be successful. Yeah, the, the Glazers, yeah, for all their pulling money out of the club, over a billion pounds in interest and fees, and then plus all the dividends. So yeah, add it up to one point X. Even if a private equity comes in and buys United, they probably won't be taking dividends out. They're probably looking at asset appreciation. Mm-hmm. As their route out in however many years, and if they're competent and do it right, then United will be in a good position. It's it's the grubby side of sports capitalism, but it's better than sport washing 
sovereign wealth fund or incompetent ginger idiots like we have now. Yeah, I think I, I follow the NFL closely as well, and you see how Tampa Bay are revert, reverting to mean recently after right. getting very lucky with hiring Tom Brady and also having a very competent coach over there. They've right. made their next appointment and it's been absolutely terrible and they're going back to being a basket case like they were before. Like it's just hilarious to watch just how incompetent they are at both both on both sides of the Atlantic. And it's gonna it would be it will be beautiful if we Yeah, just get taken over by someone competent. Like you look at the the job that FSG have done at, at Liverpool, like it's it's not even been particularly it's been impressive, but it's not been particularly outlandish what they've done. It's just been for, for actually just followed the US sports yeah, model. Yeah, it's just competency, and is, it's like yeah. it's yeah. and doing that with United is even easier. Should, should be. be, yeah, yeah, should be. Have I mean, although United's financials, as I spoke about last time out, were were pretty disastrous and horrible. So it's going to take purchase price plus. £600 million worth of debt, which would be taken off the purchase price, obviously. A couple of hundred million in transfer fees owed and and massive investment in the stadium. I, I think, I was reading a piece this week, that most of a brand new stadium would be between 1.2 and 1.6 at the kind of size of stadium United would be looking at, 80,000 plus, which seems about right for sports stadiums if you're not building the, the SoFi mm-hmm. in LA, which was... <laughs> insane amount of money or a, a refit of old trafford which is still going to take a couple hundred million because it's it needs it badly plus potentially expansion over the the south stand if it's possible technically engineering wise mm-hmm. to hang over the railway line so i mean i imagine that whoever buys united or the glazers would be looking at that route because it's cheaper so it's it's a huge amount of money and a, and a huge amount of debt and a huge required outlay in 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 the club as well so yeah someone with deep pockets required but but and a a difficult business model to get right unless you're prepared to make that investment and that will be part of the negotiation as well because it's not like it's a secret everyone knows that there is latent latent build-up of investment required because the glazers haven't Mm -hmm. been doing it so i still think in the grand scheme of things like obviously liverpool are up for sale as well at the moment united is still a a much more appealing prospect than than Liverpool are right now. You just just the potential that it, that comes with with United of of the status of of the club and the fan base of the club. Whereas you, you, you look with Liverpool, like that they could. It feels to me that they could e- easily get cut adrift quite quickly if they don't make the Champions League for a couple of seasons. They they could be in a little bit of trouble, especially if their owners aren't, if they don't hit the ground running a little bit in the Todd Bowley kind of respect. It's funny that we kind of having this conversation very soon after I've, I, I think we about three or four months ago when Glazers weren't putting us up for sale, we were talking about United potentially getting cut adrift. If we get taken over by someone yeah, very competent, I'd, I'd, I'd fear if I was a Liverpool fan. Yeah, well, they don't have the same global base, fan base, and, and their commercials and their financials have been increasing because they've been getting more TV revenue from going deep into the Champions League every year for a while. And and that comes along with 
sponsors and stuff. But uh, yeah, they're not in as strong a position, like as a as a base as United. It's just they don't have six hundred million pounds worth yeah. of debt, and they FSG have been investing in the stadium and modernising Anfield and increasing Anfield's size. And they've obviously been successful and they've got an excellent coach with a strong squad, although the revamp is not quite going as well as they mm-hmm. want. So, And that's their thing. That's their th- um, the, the other thing that... Sorry, just quickly on the last thing about Liverpool is that they have had to get everything right over the last few years, which they have pretty much done. This window that they had in the summer has been not looking potentially great. Like Nunes has been a potential flop so far. Art has been not great. Their new style of football isn't great. Like they start to, those perf, that perfection that they've had for so many years starts to waver. Like, yeah, we could see them. I'm, I'm talking in hope as much as logic, but yeah, it'd be lovely if we, if they started to tail off a little bit, missed out on the Champions League this year, then they could be in a little bit of trouble. Good. Ooh. Let's hope so. Yeah. The, the other thing that happened is that United announced they were, well, it's really weirdly wordly. They've they've negotiated with TeamViewer to be able to buy out the contract with TeamViewer. Now, we know that TeamViewer basically couldn't afford the front share sponsorship at United and did it anyway. The second mental sponsorship United, I mean, I, I give United yes. one thing. They are able to sell calls to Newcastle, ice <laughs> to Eskimos, whatever <laughs> Whatever terminology you want there, they have clogs to Chevrolet and to TeamViewer sponsorships that it appears the companies did not want. Uh, could who not are they afford. speaking to at these companies? Who's signing it off? I don't know. It's the long gate. It's a long con, isn't it? They're like, right, where's our yeah. mark? <laughs> yeah. We're going to get these people. Anyway, TeamViewer, who are basically a startup and, and couldn't afford it. So, and yeah, and wanted out. So, I don't. I'm sure United are not buying the contract out mm-hmm. when they when they find new sponsor at full rates because that wouldn't make any sense. There'll be some kind of they'd come to some kind of negotiation and then TeamViewer will become a sponsor, mm-hmm. a, a global partner as United like to call them, which I guess will be the cost of the buyout fee, something like that. So I wonder who we're going to get next. Who do you reckon, Tom? Who do you want on the front of the shirt? Oh, it'd be beautiful if we had nothing like a la Forest. It's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, be interesting. Look good, as long it? as it's not like something like Spotify, yeah. so we have like Drake's logo on the front of our shirt, like Barcelona do. That would be oh, awful. God. Who'd be a cool sponsor? I'm trying to think, who's got a, that could actually got afford a good it. logo? That's what you want, really. You want a cool looking yeah. logo. Chevrolet was so cheap. Oh just yeah, ruined it's it always been shirt. a terrible logo. That Chevrolet logo. I, like, well, if you look back to the fifties. Classic Chevrolet logo. Oh, is it really? Nice monochrome. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm go looking look it up right now. Classic Chevrolet logo. I, I think it would actually look pretty good. Yeah. So just in monochrome, not with the gold and, and silver. Flat as well, not with the bed. Oh, okay, the yeah. On the... That is, yeah. 40s and 50s, actually, during World War yeah. Two looks really nice. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, fair yep. enough. I think like so, McDonald's. I, I, I don't know. I can't the... think of a... Oh, <laughs> that's God. like what the kids... I don't know if that's just around where i grew up but the, all the kids shirts used to have mcdonald's on it it'd be like a very yeah, throwback to under eight football well they did spon- they sponsored school sports it's, oh, for a long time there we go yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah because just got to get them in there yeah, yeah. you hook, hook them on the happy hook, meals yeah and hook them on healthy life. eating from an early age perfect stuff that and coca-cola which sponsors yeah. all stuff like it's, that. It's, I don't know. It's going to be some bank or something boring, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess as like at least, as, yeah. 
like I'd, I mean, to be fair, I'd heard of TeamViewer. I'd heard of Chevrolet, yeah, which is yeah. kind of okay. Never heard of AIG before that one or Aon. Aon, what was Aon? E- insurance. Oh, insurance underwriting, I think. Exciting. We'll probably get some bank or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exciting, is it? As long as it's, yeah, yeah it's, we're not going to go down the, the gambling front. Well, I suspect with a football regulator coming in that that front of shirt may be, may be prohibited. I mean, there's been talk about that mm-hmm. for a while and it's happened in other sports, hasn't it? They've been pulling back from gambling, but there's other ways of doing it, right? Without it being front of shirt, you just have all the, all the billboards around the, around yeah, the stadium. Yeah, with all the, all the crypto madness going on as well, where like... St- oh God, let's hope it's not crypto. City have yeah. been, I think, caught a cop, maybe... Maybe a couple of times with basically yeah. Fulham yeah. too had an obvious pyramid scheme as and, a sponsor. Like, some of the companies that these teams are being associated with don't even like they the CEOs don't even exist. They're just fronts yeah. for that's right. They're just they're selling crypto to to emerging markets and get rich quick schemes. It's it's really disgusting. It actually, really some is. Of it. Yes. I, I do fear for that kind of thing, especially if it's the Glazers still in charge when that happens. Um, We're not going to be sponsored by Donald yeah. Trump NFTs, are we? <laughs> oh, God, wouldn't With that be that amazing? one that was, God. I think, going around social media a couple of days ago was it's him with, like, the laser beams coming out of his eyes and a, and a T where, like, I like, the S would be in Superman, like a cape. Oh my God, that video. If you've not seen that video, you really need to go and check it out. It's, it's Donald Trump NFT. I, I have not. I will go check it out. Oh. I did check out some of the NFTs. It's his big announcement. And we're all, everyone's like, oh, is he an NFT? He's not running for president or oh, whatever. No, it's a grifter scheme. <laughs> it's flogging NFTs for $99. Why change the habit of a lifetime though with him? That's literally what his whole, that's how his family have always got rich. And so why not? Why not just keep it going with a yeah. little? Well, maybe we will get a cool logo. I don't know, Playboy. What, what yeah, do you reckon? Interesting. So probably not the uh, Hugh Hefner yeah. not turning up because not he's the dead, most progressive but, company in the world. But it would it would not no <laughs> it would not be in that anyway. That that wasn't happening. It, it will be some kind of very boring global company that wants to get even more global recognition. I yeah. imagine. All right. Visit Qatar it is. Yeah, as long as, yeah. Is, is that better than Visit Rwanda? I don't know. No. So, I guess that's it. Enjoy Burnley, everyone, and the World Cup final. I'm not sure which is the biggest game mm-hmm. of those two. It's close yeah, on thing. True. But Burnley, by the way, I meant to mention it. It was the sellout, which is unusual for a Carling Cup game, Carabao Cup game. Yeah. And they've had to refund 12,000 people's tickets because they're, yeah, I think it's because of the ambulance strike or is it the train strike? One, it's a strike anyway. And they're worried about capacity. So they've had to cut the capacity oh, wow. and refund people's tickets. So unfortunately, yeah, 12,000 people won't see the game. They're also one of your favorite teams, aren't they, Burnley? Any, any, yeah, I love uh, them. I don't know if that's, I know you love them under Sean Dyke, but I don't know if that is maybe lessened a bit. I, I have to admit, I haven't seen them at all in the they're top of the yeah, championship. Yeah, Vincent Company. So. Doing a very yep. good job after. Uh, haven't haven't seen them play at all. They don't have Martin Vikos, do they? They turn, send him out. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere. Maybe Turkey, they're playing a little bit yeah. more of a stylish brand of football. It's interesting with Company because he did really badly at Anderlecht and I thought he would just be one of these big name managed, big 
named former footballers who would just flop. But he's done, yeah, he's done a pretty good job so far, to be fair. And he, I thought he was quite good from the clips. I, I didn't, I wasn't in England when he was on BBC coverage, but I thought from the clips I saw, he was quite right. a good pundit, actually. But, All very good. Enjoy it, everyone. Catch you soon after the World Cup. If you like the show, the way you can support us best is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And it really doesn't matter what you say in that review either. You can say you'd rather we talked about Manchester City and Liverpool. Just hit those five stars. Many thanks.